Marini's Media. Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, how to be civil during civil war. The SPFL's vote to end the campaign turns into a shambles. Is Rangers resolution the way forward or do Dundee have plans of their own? And more retro football for some light relief as we look at our favourite players of Scotland's game. Boom time. I'm Andrew Slavin, and giving up his bank holiday for you and for me, from The Telegraph, it's JJ Bull. Hello. Happy Easter Monday, JJ. Hello. I don't really know what Easter is. I've never, ever known what it is. <laughs> it's it's when uh, Jesus comes out, he's resurrected, that's what it is. No, it is that you can buy chocolate eggs in the shops, that's what Easter is. <laughs> I agree. I don't want... Rel- religion doesn't belong in football. So we're going to talk about football only. How do you describe this weekend, JJ? I think <laughs> that wanting to be a fun sponge, I think there were far <laughs> more devastating things happening. A thousand people a day dying and there's people in clubs yep. who are crying about uh, all this sort of stuff. So I think it's sort of out of context. It's kind of stupid to be even talking about it. But we have to do a football podcast, so let's have a little go. And it is nonsense. Uh, at least there's a bit of a story going on, but it's nothing... I mean, it's been handled as about... Gives us something to talk about, doesn't it? <laughs> it's about as competently handled as you could imagine or expect of the SPFL. So well done to them. <laughs> well done to them and well done to all the clubs for getting their votes on time. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's find out what actually happened. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Okay, so there's only one place to start, and that's the SPFL vote on how to end the season, which took place on Good Friday. A Good Friday for the SPFL, though, it did not turn out to be. To pass the resolution on ending the Championship and Leagues 1 and 2 early needed to be backed by 10 of the 12 Premiership clubs, 8 of 10 in the Championship, 16 of 20 in Leagues 1 and 2. So... The SPFL released a statement at 51 minutes past five on Friday evening, stating that the results rested on one championship club's vote. That club was Dundee. Dundee intended to vote no, and the SPFL says the club submitted a voting slip, then retracted it. Dundee are currently third in the championship. At the time of recording, we don't know what Dundee's vote is. Some clubs say they voted but Dundee said, do not consider our vote. They had also, uh, I mean, there's pictorial evidence that uh, John Elms signed and submitted uh, as part of WhatsApp groups. They said that Dundee said they'd filed their their vote and the vote was to reject the proposal. I have read that the vote that Dundee have put in to the SPFL, there is suggestion that it could have been sent as a PDF file which could have yes. tripped could have tripped firewall thingies. Because <laughs> if it comes um, as an image, it would just load as an image, which you could it would preview and you see the image, but it comes as a, a PDF, it counts as a document, so firewalls or virus protection sort of software might uh, pick it up and deny it. So there's a chance there's a chance that this would have been put into the junk email or just but like not even gone through to an inbox, right? The club secretary from Dundee filed a, a reject vote. That is what mm-hmm. It's meant to have happened. 
this was originally set up on Wednesday. So on the Wednesday, the requested clubs would have to send in their, their votes with a 120-page <laughs> yeah. document, right, to be filed, if possible, was that's the literal wording on mm. it, if possible, uh, to be filed by Friday at 5 p.m. But it actually had 28 days for them to reply, which is stupid. I mean, well, actually, that's fine. Now I think about it, I've said that. Uh, what's stupid is that they released the results and instead now it's up in the air and Dundee have all the cards. So, Do you know what else is interesting? That they've gone um, completely silent. Is that Well, no, that, that, that it's now came out in the stipulations of the vote that it's it's now apparent that if, it, if you were to vote yes, you can't change your vote. But if you vote no, you have time to reverse your vote. Which is like, wait a minute. <laughs> if you vote no, you can change your vote. But if you vote yes, that's it. No, that's that's binding now. Did you see wait, that, JJ? No. Do you understand? Which way around is this? So if you reject so if you it, vote, So if you vote yes, if you accept the vote, yeah. or if you vote yes for the vote, then you cannot change your decision. If you have voted no, you have time to change your decision. That sounds very fair. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. And amongst all of this, JJ, we also have Rangers and Hearts who have voiced from the beginning how unhappy they are with the SPFL's handling of this vote. We've heard from Anne Budge, the Hearts chairman, who's called the whole thing an embarrassment for the SPFL. And she says it's totally unreasonable that members at 48 hours notice had been given only one option to vote on. This this proposal was put forward on Wednesday and they were requested to cast their vote with 48 hours notice from a document that's 120 pages long. The so best anyway, bit so far is definitely Ranger's statement who is on Saturday they came out and said yeah. we have been presented with evidence via a whistleblower probably on WhatsApp, that's where everyone else seems to have been done, that raises serious concerns surrounding the SPFL's processes relating to its stewardship of the voting on the resolution presented to member clubs. Basically, what, there's, what they have suggested is that there is something sneaky going on behind the scenes. Something fishy. If, if the SPFL have mysteriously lost Dundee's reject vote, which they now have subsequently, they want that to be taken back so they can reconsider what they're doing for 28 days and affect the future of everyone else. Well, I mean, we will wait and see what happens. We should also mention that Rangers have called for the suspension of Neil Doncaster, the chief executive of the SPFL, including the SPFL's legal advisor, Rod McKenzie. Um, So with all this madness going on, um, it's probably time we got a proper expert to tell us what's going on in Scottish football rather than listening to us. Fortunately, we have the man whose finger is so on the pulse, it might as well be the pulse. From BBC Scotland, it's Kerradine Idrissan. Hi Kerradine, what a farce this has all been. It seems a bit of a shambles. Can, can you just give us like an update on the state of play with, with Dundee? Have they, have they came out? Have you spoken to anyone yet? Well, it certainly has been an extraordinary few days since Good Friday, even by the standards of, of Scottish football. Uh, no one, to the best of my knowledge, has heard from Dundee or spoken to Dundee since Friday. Certainly not publicly anyway. A lot of clubs 
have been trying to get in touch with them. I think they have gone away to consider their position and to speak to certain people in authority in the game about potentially what their options are and where they stand. Now we're in an extremely strange situation where they now hold the casting vote in all of this. And remember, what we're talking about is the ability for the Scottish Professional Football League to call the season immediately in all the divisions below the Premiership and release uh, much-needed prize money to those clubs, but also, crucially, to have the ability to call the top division, the Premiership, if they see fit, if they see no realistic prospect of the season being able to be finished within a certain timescale. And that, of course, would give the situation where Celtic would be crowned uh, champions and Hearts would be relegated. So massive issues at play here. There's not a single club in Scottish football that this decision does not affect. What's the reaction been from clubs to how the SPFL have handled this whole uh, scenario? It's been very mixed, as you would expect, because the vast majority of clubs, over 80% of the clubs have voted in favour of this. It was 10-2 in the Premiership. So in terms of the way that that this has been handled, we've we've seen um, uh, statements from, from Rangers and from Hearts criticising the way that this has been handled uh, and Rangers actually calling for an independent review into all of this and they've called for the suspension of the SPFL Chief Executive Neil Doncaster. So some extremely strong feelings uh, have been expressed by certain clubs. There are clubs as well who had been uh, talking to Dundee in in particular and specifically the championship clubs who thought that Dundee was going to vote along with them. They uh, are obviously um, privately staggered uh, by what has happened and not even privately. We had the the Inverness um, Chief Executive Scott Gardner on our Sports Sound programme on Saturday uh, laying everything uh, clear in terms of what he thought, that he just didn't see this turn of events uh, coming uh, is, is scratching his head as to as to what has happened and what may happen next. So we've had a, a gamut of reaction uh, across the game. But one thing that's uh, pretty much clear for, for a lot of clubs uh, privately is that this is an extremely unsatisfactory situation where uh, a vote was uh, results of a, a vote that was incomplete was made public. Part of the problem as well on the same sports sound program on Saturday, I think Michael Stewart said that. Uh, it was about half of the the Premiership clubs voted yes because they want to get fund release to help out, especially smaller clubs that need that money coming in. But is there a chance now? Because I mean, that's that's something entirely separate. Is there is there something now, especially with Dundee holding the cards that they do? Is there a possible chance that there will be another vote put forward for something else that would involve potential league reconstruction? Well, there, there are a number of potential scenarios that, that could unfold here, but we really don't know what is going yeah. to happen. Dundee may be uh, talking to, to certain people about the, the possibilities of, of league reconstruction, but the reconstruction argument is a slightly separate one because that would um, involve a different threshold, for example, for reconstruction to happen in the, in the top division, you would need an 11-1 majority in favour. So it, it's it's unclear as to whether uh, this vote will be allowed uh, to stand because once Dundee return their vote, as I say, it's either going to be yes 
and the uh, the resolution is carried or it's going to be an abstention or a no and the resolution is not carried even if this vote goes through let's say and dundee vote yes would the the spfl proceed on the basis of a vote with which several clubs are, are extremely unhappy and privately more clubs beyond that are also very uncomfortable it's going to take a, a lot of um talking behind the scenes and th there is going to be uh, an SPFL board uh, meeting on Tuesday of this week to thrash out exactly what the next move is going to be because it seems to be a highly, highly unsatisfactory situation, to put it mildly, whichever way the cards fall and whichever way Dundee decide to vote. Could, could I throw a scenario in here where could the SPFL be kind of you know, saved from any blushes by, you know, if UEFA or FIFA turn around and decide to make the decision for all member clubs, is that still, is that possible? And would then, would you ever have the the situation where Hearts and Rangers could challenge UEFA or FIFA for that decision? Because they seem to be challenging the SPFL over this. Well, I mean, the the, the legal, I mean, the, the lawyers are, are are almost certainly having a field day already. And my understanding is that um, various sets of lawyers from various different clubs are already all over this. I think what the the SPFL wanted to do, from their point of view, and certainly from their statements, they're adamant from their point of view that for prize money to release uh, the season has to be called if you like they have to declare that the season's over then they can release prize money so from their point of view from what they're saying and what they've said consistently uh, from their from their statements and the the reason for having this resolution put to the 42 clubs in the first place is that in order for much needed uh, finance to be released to to clubs who've got no income at the moment because of the crisis that we're uh, we're all under for the money to be released, the league has to be called in the view of the SPFL. That has subsequently been challenged by Rangers, but nonetheless, that's consistently been uh, the league's uh, viewpoint that the only way that money can be released is for the season to be called to, to release this prize money, and then that can help the clubs to, to survive in, in the short term because they have next to, to no income uh, coming in at all, although I know some clubs uh, are selling season tickets at the moment. So were um, UEFA to come in, as, as they have promised to do at some point in the next uh, few weeks, well, I think that's where it knocks on to the uh, to the Premiership because part of this resolution would have given uh, the SPFL the, the power to call the Premiership as well as the other uh, divisions, depending on uh, what advice was coming down the road uh, from UEFA in a few weeks' time. So in terms of uh, challenges and legality, I think... Yeah, Several clubs are, are already uh, looking at their options and, and considering uh, their own positions. And, and certainly um, there, there's at least a couple of high-profile clubs that are not at all happy uh, with the way that um, things have uh, proceeded. And uh, what was it like for you personally, I'm in the team, on that Sports Sound show on Saturday as news kept breaking while you were on air? It's, <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was an extraordinary uh, three hours of, of radio with, with the story changing hourly. It was an extraordinary enough story in the first place because we had this uh, incomplete vote, uh, the results published of this incomplete vote, and one club appearing to change its mind, certainly giving itself the latitude and the leeway 
to change its mind. But even still, it's a situation that nobody thought they'd find themselves in because we thought this would be resolved by 5 p.m. on Friday. But as it turns out, the 5 p.m. was a request from the league, not a demand. So it was not mandatory that you get your vote in by 5 p.m. on Friday. They just asked everyone if they could please kindly do so. It turns out you have to get your vote in 28 days after the resolution was sent out, which was last Wednesday. So now Dundee, if they want to, they've got over three weeks in which to cast their vote. Surely they'll do it before then and we'll, we'll find out within the next 24 hours exactly what the SPFL wants to do from their, uh, from their emergency board meeting. But certainly it was extraordinary uh, on Friday, on Saturday and uh, on Easter Sunday. Keradine, the sound, BBC Scotland. JJ, what do you make of all of this? It's <laughs> you said bit, that it's... in such in such a radio way. <laughs> oh come on! Kieran, this is in BBC Scotland. Da, da, da. Oh, oh I don't good. I don't do Scotland. I don't do that at all. <laughs> but what do you think? What 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 do you think? Because I just think it's all just a bit bizarre with the idea that you know Dundee had placed their vote, or they had in their own. You know, minds they had placed their vote. Why they have made a decision not to resubmit their vote, that says to me they have plans of their own to try and, you know, I don't know, uh, try and convince the SPFL of other ways. Well, I think like any good political thriller, they're trying to work out what their possible options are now because they've got a quite unique situation where they could possibly make use of this politically to try and help them with some sort of way, not saying for one minute that's what they're doing, of course. They have no, they're not on here to uh, offer their opinion because they've gone radio silent. <laughs> the, uh, I think one of the things that, you know, when you, at some point you realise in your youth that uh, your parents don't know everything and they are just people. <laughs> in the same way, if, if you're a young listener, you'll you'll either have realised this or, are about, or you know, already have. But also the people who are in charge of things like government and uh, the Scottish uh, Football League, um, they also don't know anything. They're just people, and they uh, make occasionally huge mistakes, <laughs> and uh, make uh, a mess of such things like a vote. Imagine you had a vote. Like, I would. I don't think in a primary school if they're trying to vote on something, this would happen. Where where you you don't you know you have all, all the votes you've got. You can see them, but you know you're missing the one that would make this make the deciding factor. <laughs> then you announce yeah. what the result is. So it's so it's obvious who's done it. I mean, I, I think the ideal, the ideal for me would be I always wanted league reconstruction. I'd like to have a 14 or 16 league, uh, team league, something like that. I always thought that would be a good way to do it. We've got loads of teams in Scotland. Uh, I'd also think it should be that you can go up from the Highland League without having to go through that playoff. It would be better. Yeah, yeah. Are you for the 14, 10, 10, 10? So 14 in the Premiership and 10 in the, the other three divisions or sure, any league reconstruction? <laughs> yeah, I just like a change. I'd like so that means that, that 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 significantly lessens the pot of money that clubs would have, and if you're looking at trying to put that in place for next season, um, it would probably make more sense to put it in for the season after. Clubs have to budget for that, and they have to make sure that they've got money in the right places so that they can organise themselves. Well, yeah, but and I mean, if there's less money to do that in such a short space of time, just seems a bonkers in itself. Much yeah, but I mean, they're not, they're not going to do it as in bankrupt anyone, are they? I mean, the whole point would be that it, the idea of league reconstruction is it makes it a more 
Um, competitive league, it potentially higher, heightens the value of it for... We talked about this before, I think it was the last week before, is that the old firm is what sells the league to people at Sky Sports, which is why we get more money for the league than certain other leagues, although apparently the deal that Scotland gets is pretty good compared to comparative ones like the Eerie Divisie, things like that. Uh, without old firm games, which is what... I mean, if it's marketed in that, that's the ones that'll make the money and you want to have as many of them as you can with the TV deal so everyone else gets paid some money. But for a better league, I think you want more teams because it's so small. But... Uh, I don't know what's going to happen for this. We've got 28 days to find out what's going to go on. I'd imagine Dundee will explore their options, like Kerrigan was saying. Every club's going to be exploring every avenue they can with their uh, lawyers. It's been handled shambolically, and I can't... I mean, if it was like an actual business, you'd think that someone would get fired. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I don't think anyone should lose their job over it, but it's clearly not been done very well. Anyway, I think well, we should yeah, move on, because this is very... Yeah, it's- it's not going to get solved anytime soon. It's like it? House of Cards, but really boring and held in <laughs> Falkirk. <laughs> well, yeah, let's let's escape to that reality then. Why don't we? Yes. Um, how about the week that wasn't, JJ? I'm Jose Mourinho. I know a thing or two about being special. Finding pastel de natas in a London cafe? Special. Winning the little jackpot on Paddy Power Games? Not special. Understood, Jose. Yes, someone wins an average £40,000 jackpot every single day. So if you win, don't think you're special. Daily Jackpots by Paddy Power Games. Jackpots must be awarded by 11pm and vary from day to day. Jackpot is shared with other operators available on selected games. T's and C's at paddypower.com, 18plusbegumbleware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. We're gonna play So as you all know, especially you, Andrew Slavin, whilst the SPFL were trying to end the season, <laughs> uh, the Scottish Cup was continuing on its merry way with the semi-finals at Hamden Park. So that's, this is what should have happened this weekend. People should have been going to Hamden to see Scottish Cup semi-finals. The first up, the first one was uh, Celtic against Aberdeen. Now, I think we both know how this one would have ended. Two penalties to Celtic that weren't. Cosgrove sent off and Celtic won 3-2 because Constein didn't get a hat-trick, he got a brace in this one. Well, no, because what always happens with <laughs> Aberdeen Celtic is that in a, in a semi-final, Aberdeen pushed Celtic really hard. So they do really well. They, they, they keep it tight. They keep it tight, they go man-to-man, and then in about either the 8th minute or the 76th, it's going to end 1-0. Christopher Iyer just strolls through from the back, picks someone out, a mistake from a defender, and Celtic win 1-0. So that's what would have happened there. The Norse runaway train, Christopher Iyer. Yeah, that's what happens. Um, Celtic would have won that. I've got no doubts about it. And oh, then everyone absolutely. would say, well, Aberdeen should, should be in finals. Ugh. That's not how you sound, Gigi. No, that's why everyone else moans about Aberdeen. But so the argument is that Aberdeen should be winning, should should be in a cup final or winning, a, should be winning. Derek McKenna should have won more than one trophy in his time. Maybe. But you can't say that. And then also the sensible thing is to say is that Celtic should, by definition, win every single competition domestically. So yes. if, you, if you say that Celtic should win and the probability is like 90% they'll win every, every tournament, it takes some sort of freak 
thing to happen for anyone else to win it, including Aberdeen, even though they've done well. However, there was another game which was between uh, the Hearts and the Hibses. The Edinburgh Derby, JJ. Wonderful for semi-final. That would have been a great final held in Glasgow. (laughs) (laughs) What happened? What happened, JJ? Well, it would make sense to me if Hearts would have won this because they're going to get relegated. So... That that's part of, that all seems to happen, right? I remember when Middlesbrough won. I think it was a League Cup or something, and they got relegated. The one that sticks out for me is Wigan when they beat Manchester City yeah. in the FA Cup final, and I think it was a Sean Maloney corner and Watson. Well, I, I can I can remember it, putting it back to Scottish football. I remember when Aberdeen were absolutely horse under Ebi Skoftal and reached semis and cup finals quite often. Yeah, and it seemed to be that a cup run, uh, the cup games, just because they're one-offs, they the players were more in it, they were more mentally on the on the pitch. That doesn't really make sense, but we're going to go with it anyway. Uh, and I think from this game, Hearts would have won this to go through the final to lose two 0 to Celtic, maybe three 0 in the final. Oh, that's tough. So they so they get to the final, lose, and get relegated. Yeah, Hearts cannot. They won't beat Celtic in the final. They would go one nil up in the final, and everyone would be like, which "Oh, they, which, this could be a, marvel- they, a marvelous turn up for the." They books. did that last season. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that's what happens. I'm telling you, Scottish football is a bit broken. It's money. Money has ruined us all, and now a horrible virus. Sold us, sold us all to the devil. Anyway, so that leaves uh, Hearts versus Celtic in the Scottish Cup final, and now we've already told you what's going to happen. We'll talk about it later on. <laughs> Oh, well done, JJ. I think it's I think it's about time um, we go to your team of the season. Team of the season, JJ. It's been a wild ride through your team of the season, mostly a wild ride, the, like Ghost Rider. The the rules dictate that you can only have one player per Premiership club, meaning that it's an average team of the season. To be fair, um, so take us through your team so far. In goals, Ander Clark of St Johnston, Stephen O'Donnell of Kelly at right back, Declan Gallagher, centre back from Motherwell, Andrew Considine, champion hat tricks goal scorer, centre back from Aberdeen, Aaron Hickey of Hearts at left back. That's the four. And now we've got two uh, very defensive minded uh, holding midfielders in Ryan Jack of Rangers and Alex Gogic of Hamilton. Woof. Yes. As you can hear, it's a terrible team. But I am going to have to point out that it is quite difficult to choose your team of the season with only one player. It's basically not a team of the season at all. It's a silly thread I'm... we've done, but we are too far <laughs> along it now. The jumper's unravelled and we're stuck. It's, now, it's a team of bruisers and a 17-year-old. But who is your manager, JJ? You haven't, you haven't told us your manager. Oh, Jim, Jim Goodman, St. Mirren. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. It all sums it all up. Right, now, my winger of the season uh, is... One of them is Stephen Lawless of Livingston. I missed the keyboard. Uh, it's guitar this week. So Stephen Lawless, he doesn't really, we haven't really talked to him about much this season, yet he's mm-hmm. silently creeped to the four with eight goals and six assists. He can play all across the front, plays the left, plays the middle, plays on the right. Depends on the formation that Gary Holt goes for. Often plays like a, it's listed on Wisecout, like often it's like a 3-3-3-1. Three, 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 I don't think that's actually how it plays out on the pitch. Yeah. It's more of a 3-5-2. But yeah, statistically, he's. I mean, that's a great return for a club like Livingston. And uh, I just think he's quite good. 
and I had to pick a player from Livingston. <laughs> I wanted to have Lyndon Dykes, but if I had Dykes, then that doesn't Ooh. work for other things. And <laughs> the striker things. Yeah. But I've got two strikers, obviously, because of the shape that we're going for. Um, but right. Lawless, I mean, go- joint goals and assists, Lawless is fourth in the league behind Edward, Forrest and Christie. That's pretty decent. Just just it's before amazing. you move on, you, what line-up are you going for? It's 4-4-2, right? We're doing a, we're doing a uh, standard 4-4-2. It's be a 4-2-2-2, if we're being specific. Hmm, the wingers okay. can move both laterally and... and so uh, do, you, do you have another winger for us? We have another winger. Our other winger is uh, one of my favourite, your favourite too, it's... Martin Boyle. Fair play. Of, Interesting. Of yeah. Interesting. Because he only came back kind of the <laughs> second half of the season, which isn't over yet. Yeah, we're ignoring that. <laughs> <laughs> we're ignoring that he hasn't played that much. When he's come back, uh, Hibbs suddenly became a lot better. He is their best player by miles. And um, he's very fast. And I don't know what more you need from me other than that. Boyle and Lawless to add to the team. Exciting. Well, this is terrible. This we finished fifth. Enough- <laughs> I don't think you'd even reach the top six, mate. Um, but anyway, uh, that does leave us for next week needing two strikers. Mm-hmm. I wonder which teams they could be from. So we've we've ticked off Hebs and Livingston, so we're left with Celtic and Ross County. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I actually think that... I, I, if I think what you're going for... I can yeah. see it working bizarrely, um, but anyway, we're gonna we're gonna head down memory lane for some retro fitba next. Listeners, we want to tell you about a beautifully simple way to showcase and sell your photography. PicFair is used by over 150,000 people worldwide. It's a free platform that allows anyone to sell their photos from complete amateurs like me to seasoned professionals, probably like some of you out there in Podland. And PicFair is so simple. All you do is upload your photos, name your price, and those pics will appear on your personal online photography store. Your photographs will also be listed on PicFair's central marketplace, where images taken by people who've never sold a picture before have been published by The Guardian, Time Out and Rough Guides, and they've even been used on the front cover of National Geographic. Alongside digital downloads, customers can also purchase your photos as beautiful frame prints and canvases. And whether you sell them through your own store or the marketplace, PicFair will produce the prints for you in high-quality labs and take care of all of the shipping. So if you've got time on your hands and you're wondering what to do with all of the brilliant photos you've got lying around on your hard drive or camera roll, go to PicFair.com and sign up for free today. That's P-I-C-F-A-I-R.com. PicFair, a new home for your photography. At this time in the podcast, we like to look back on times when football was played. It's a retro football moment. Last week, we did some 1998 World Cup highlights. Today, though, we're heading in a different direction. And this time, we're going to pick a player each that has amazed us with their time in Scottish football. I'll kick off with the player that in the late 90s and early noughties arguably put Scottish football on the map of every football fan. Before I say who... Here's a reel of his greatest moments. Great run by Larson. He's done it again. Glorious goal by Larson. Outstripping the Rangers defence. And there might have been a possibility of Rangers coming back in that, but that is Larson in full majestic flow. He is Is this the first goal for him? Larson! Oh, what a goal! Henrik with a special goal! Good play from Henrik Larsson. Steve Guffey 
chance to create something. Larson! Super strike by Larson. Alan Thompson's free kick, Henrik Larson's header. It's finally happened in his last competitive match at Celtic Park. Larson marks the milestone with one of his trademark goals. It's, a it's his 38th goal of the season, his 239th Celtic career goal. Henry Larson was without doubt the greatest player uh, the top flight of Scottish football has ever seen. The reason I've chosen Henry Larson is because I was... So he signed for Celtic in 1997, so I was nine. And that's about the time I started to remember football. And how better to th- like remember a player that sticks in your head than someone who has amazing dreadlocks. <laughs> <laughs> so he stood out instantly, but he also didn't... Did you know that he didn't have exactly the greatest start at Celtic? Do you remember his start now? And his, and his league debut... He didn't score. He gave the ball away against Hibs and Celtic lost 2-1. And then in his European debut, he scored an own goal. But lo and behold, who would have known he would go on? He was quite good. He would go on to play 313 games and score 242 goals. Yeah, it's not a bad record. It was just brilliant, though. That's the thing. it It was something... Even I remember my dad saying he'd never seen a player quite like that. Unlike... The time when Jinky Johnston was at Celtic. And that's that's my dad's era. And even the family that I have that are all Rangers fans, they even complimented Henrik Larson. You had the Rangers manager, Dick Advocate, complimenting Henrik Larson. I think both sets of fans and all Scottish football fans can look at Henrik Larson and remember just how good a player he was. He was a European Golden Boot back in 2001 when he scored 53 goals in 50 games. It was just unbelievable. And I remember... I remember, I remember being a cut above everyone else. He's, he's the best player I've seen play Pataudry. I think it's a bit well, in a competitive game anyway. Uh, I, yeah. don't, I can't think of a better player that I've seen. He, he, knew he'd, uh, he, 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 made, he won games for them on his own. But it was like it was funny that he seemed to have an extra yard of space around him the whole time. That was why I found interesting as a youngster. And it wasn't just his goals either. It wasn't just his goals. He was actually a really unselfish player, and he probably resurrected the careers of Chris Sutton and and John Hartson because they were kind of uh, up and coming players when they broke through down in England, but then fell away and came to Scottish football. And Henrik Larson made them better better strikers for it. But then anyone would be good next to Larson, but. Uh, I mean, maybe he, yeah, to say he resurrected their careers, it would just be that they're playing in the Scottish Premiership, which they'd have gone from there. I mean, Sutton had won the Premier League before for, in yeah, England yeah. before he went down. So, like, these boys had, had came from a good calibre, but they maybe weren't at the top end of the Premier League they wanted to be, and they're getting paid money to score lots of goals for fun in a league that's, I mean, it was just Celtic and Rangers competing, really. I mean, look sure. At, look at yeah, that. sure. But yeah, I, I agree, Larson was, um, I mean, he's the best player I've seen play at a. At uh, I can't. I mean, the other ones you'd think of that kind of cross that divide between, especially the two Glasgow clubs, like Brian Loudrop was never. A, oh, absolutely. That I think that even Celtic fans would like. I think Scott Brown will be remembered fondly, maybe <laughs> by everyone. With Celtic fans, you would you would definitely think so. Yeah, I mean, maybe Rangers fans would. I don't know, but I think he's been very important. I, I don't mean, think so. No. <laughs> Right, okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> well, since since you've asked, I'll tell you the uh, the player that I watched 
that I remember getting, you know, you sort of, uh, you start really enjoying football and you, you start, you see something that is a bit special, a bit different that stands out. It was Ian Jess. And averaging fans will say the same. They often considered one of the best players to have ever come through. And if you choose the best ever Aberdeen 11, it's normally the 83 team plus Ian Jess and Russell Anderson. That's normally what pe- <laughs> people would sort of go for. Before before you continue, let's. Why don't we just hear some of Jesse's moments before you continue to wax lyrical? And that's a great equaliser. Ian Jess has done that so often against Rangers. He picked it up, and Aberdeen deserved that. Picked it up beautifully. Swings it round again. Charles going in now. Here's Zedowali. Marshall coming a long way. Zedowali! Oh, is it in? Is a chance? Yes, it's there! And another disaster for Gordon Marshall. And Ian Jess takes advantage. David Robertson sprinting forward. Jess waits in the middle. Here's Jess! The hat trick for Ian Jess! And yet another devastating move from Aberdeen. Jess had one of those players like two footed, sort of an attacking mid, not really like a, like a 10, but not like an 8 or a 10, sort of a striker, not quite. Was in the Scotland team, went to the Premier, Premier League Premiership at the time, I think it was called in England, Coventry for one season. It was oh, pretty yeah. good. Gordon Strachan became his manager and sent him back. And that was the season that I saw him. It was 97, I think, when he came back to Pataudry. And uh, he was ace. I think he scored 14 that year. Or that season, I should say. But let's See, this is, this is why I wouldn't have remembered um, Jess, because he didn't have dreadlocks. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember I don't remember uh, Jess that much at all. What what was his qualities? Jess? He was, I mean, I don't... I, can't go into too much of it other than just saying he was absolutely magic because one of those players who <laughs> was in the right place at the right time but like, there was one goal I remember that uh, it went, I think it was straight from kickoff. I thought for years it was against Rangers but it might have been against Hearts I can't remember but I was sat in the stand watching it took the ball from kickoff and then just ran kept running kept running shifted onto his left foot and booted the ball top corner there's a, there's a, you'll find it online somewhere I think the, when the, the Aberdeen um, Here We Go podcast I think they found the video of it and put it on their Twitter but yeah, the other thing was weird, right? So I know he's not one of the best players, but I loved watching Darren Mackey come through because I oh, was young yeah, and he yeah. came through, right? And the reason was because it, it it became footballers were sort of these mis- mystical, mythical beings that you could still see on the pitch. You know, they were unreachable. There were these kind of heroes that you followed. But but Mackey was almost my age, and he came from he played in a club that was near where I'm from, and so seeing him come through and playing with the big lads was quite cool. And he saw him come through as a hot prospect, and really thought he was going to be he's going to be awesome when he came through because he was fast, uh, darted from either wing, could play up front. Thought he'd be a nine. Never really got as much out of his career as I think he maybe could have done because at junior level he was meant to be lethal. He was scoring hundreds of goals, but maybe didn't that didn't quite translate. We got a good career out of it in Aberdeen, but it was yeah, no, that's I, you could see a wonder kid not turn out to be good. Gives you a good grounding was, for him. Um, helps my job now. I can tell a Mackie apart from a Haaland. <laughs> there's there's other there's other great players like I even think Stephen Naismith when he came through at Kilmarnock 
was just unstoppable. There was no there was no surprise that he would make a move to Rangers and and just continue to do score goals. They just they just scored for fun. It was ridiculous how he seemed to read the game really really well and and play on the shoulder. So he was quite quick, um, like in ten yard kind of busts. And he would always beat the defender and, and run through and... and run you can tell when they're good enough when they're young. You can tell when they're good enough. Yeah. No matter how old they are. Like Hickey now, like I think you can just tell he's suited to playing at that time. I remember watching it and really annoyed me when I was younger. Neil McCann at Hearts, I thought was absolutely brilliant. Oh, yeah. He was amazing. Using the left wing, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Was it left, I think? Was, I think? Yeah. Oh, he was God, part I'm of the Hearts wrong. squad in 98, I think, the one Scottish Cup against Rangers and... I just remember him being brilliant, and then as soon as he went to Rangers, he got in the Scotland squad. I couldn't understand why he wasn't in the Scotland team because mm. there's exactly kind of like pace, like skill out wide that you'd want in that squad. And that was, was another. Same for like James McFadden was another one who was just a really great footballer, Motherwell, and it only took like, he had to take a move down to the Premier League and started playing for Everton, kind of on and off through his career there. Um, but he's a bit, he's still a fan favourite down at Everton. Um, and then there's there's some. Foreign mentions as well. Like, do you remember Alexei Eremenko? Someone got in touch with me on Twitter and brought him up again. And I remember some of his goals were unbelievable. Played for Kilmarnock and he would score from you know 30, 40 yards out. Just absolute rockets. I think this was when Mixu Patalainen was the manager. And then we had one from Ross Quinn as well who said Latipi. Russell Latipi. No oh, question. I like Russell Latipi, yeah. He was Things good. he did with the ball, spectacular. And partied like a legend. 100% baller. Which is an absolute decent mention as well. He got a move to Rangers off the back of... I think it was Hibs, wasn't it? He was that. Yeah, he was magic. He had, uh, I like players like Latipi. It's good to remember things, isn't it? Good to remember football, back when we had it. Yeah, it is. It is. I remember. Um, we should probably mention as well that there has been some good news in Scottish football. Um, oh, let's do that, yeah. Sir, Sir Kenny Dalgleish was released from hospital having tested positive for coronavirus. So that was good. Um, yeah, good. Hope the Kenny Dalgleish is all right. I hope everyone's all right. I hope you're all right at home. I really do. Yeah, exactly. It's a horrible time and this football stuff is kind of not as important as a... Uh, and this you, is why uh, we're here, Staying JJ. in, washing your hands, looking after each other. All that. I think that's probably the best time to, to stop the show. Um, so that's us for another week. Pretty straightforward next week, I suppose it will be, JJ. Everything will be gonna, ironed out. Everything it's going to be brilliant next week. It's going to be a great show next week. Just you wait. <laughs> I'm going to be like, oh, why did we worry? Absolutely yeah. grand. So thanks for joining us again. Um, thanks for the little kicks for our theme tune. JJ, special company as always. Yeah, thanks to Abby for all the production. Yeah. Top man. And we'll see you all next Tuesday. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Hello listeners, I'm Caroline Barker, host of the Totally Football League Show. I'm joined each week by Sam Parkin. Say hello, Sam. Hi, Caroline. By Adrian Clark. Say hello, Adrian. Hello. And the Bolton Wanderers fan too. Not Adrian, but Joe Criddy. Looking forward to League Two? Yes. <laughs> each week we go headfirst into the EFL to bring you the latest from the pitches to the next crisis to whatever Ian Holloway has said now. From Leeds to Luton, Sunderland to Plymouth, Swindon to Stevenage and everything in between. If it's the EFL you want, we've got you covered. 
haven't we, Ollie? Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. <laughs> Your guess is as good as ours. That's the Totally Football League show out every Wednesday. In the most delightful way. It's brilliant. I just love it. Muddy News Media.